0: Hello
1: and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday. We're going to be talking a little bit about what we saw at the Combine that took place last week and over the weekend. And there is plenty of news out there. But
2: uh, first, Dennis, how was your weekend? It was good. The boy had a basketball tournament on Friday. You know, they made a great run but they ended they got beat pretty good in in the third game so it's a rec league and the general the general idea is you're giving kids all the kids a chance to play unfortunately the the team we went up against in the finals decided they were only going to let two players touch the ball and so they they kind of used their two best players um you know we didn't play great even as a team we've got we've got several players that can score it was uh, you know we just the ball wasn't falling for us it you know it just happens game two was thrilling it was a 2020 tie and one of our guys got fouled with one second left he made one of two shots and our team erupted and rushed the floor and we got called for a technical foul the kid on the other team, Miss both shots. <laughs> I can only imagine what kind of therapy that twelve-year-old is in today. <laughs> Literally, yeah, he got shot. He just threw himself on the floor. I felt so bad for him.
1: You gotta love rec Sports, though.
2: You Got to make those free throws,
1: man. It starts early with the fundamentals. There's a Little baby shack out there, just a wing and a prayer. Well. Uh, before we dive into the combine, there was actually a surprisingly a lot of news. Much of it breaking uh, today. Um, the deadline for franchise tagging is Wednesday, so it makes sense that a lot of this is starting to come down to the wire. Because this time next week is the legal tampering period as we get ready for, uh, you know, all the fun to start. But some teams aren't waiting. Also First that big legal piece. Legal tampering
2: led to my second marriage. <laughs> oh my.
1: Uh it's probably going to lead to a lot of second marriages for players out there too maybe a few thirds uh but Uh, The first big piece of news that broke today is Derek Carr. Um, We knew over the combine weekend, he met with a few teams at the combine. Looks like he is going to be signing with the Saints. Uh, Reportedly will be a four-year $150 million deal, which is under the $40 million a year we've seen some of these other quarterbacks going for, possibly as much as $70 million guaranteed. So, Dennis, what does that mean for the Saints? Do you think it's a good fit And what do you think it means for Jameis Winston, who is still under contract
2: there? Well, I think the Saints now have the best quarterback in the NFC South. You know, I would like to see Jameis get a shot. I'm not sure what what doesn't work for Dennis Allen when it comes to Jameis Winston. He basically named Jameis the starter, and as soon as he could – Find a reason. Put Dalton in. Now Dalton played reasonably well. Not I mean, there wasn't a whole there wasn't a ton of difference, honestly, between Dalton and Derek Carr. Um, But Dennis Allen was in uh, in well, they were in Oakland at the time when Derek Carr was drafted. They have a history. It makes sense. The deal. You know, it's good if if Carr plays well, they got a pretty good deal. And if he doesn't, they can get out of it in two years. So I I think it it made sense for both sides. Carr gets to keep his no trade clause. So essentially, if they decide they want to get rid of him after two years, they're going to have to cut him to to do it unless they let him choose where he gets traded to. And we saw he'd rather get cut so he can go make his own deal and do the choosing that way. Uh, I think Jameis gets cut tomorrow. You know, it isn't I, I thought the deadline was four o'clock tomorrow for franchise tags.
1: I thought they said it was March eighth, which, if I'm correct, would be Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so the report that came out today is if Jameis Winston gets released tomorrow, they have eleven and a half million dead cap and save four million if he gets cut after June first. They save twelve and a half million against the cap. So my guess would be. He is cut, but not until June.
2: Well, I, they'll designate him as a June one cut. I, I'm not sure how early they can actually cut them and make that designation. You know, they don't have to actually wait until June. Um, I think they do for them to sign other places. Yeah. He, well, it's it's weird. Some of those rules they have, like legal tampering. Uh, so that's I,
1: what I saw is that he's he will be released after June first.
2: So I. I feel like he's going to get a shot to go somewhere there. There's definitely more starting jobs than the, uh, than there, than there are good quarterbacks. And so I think he'll get a chance to go somewhere uh, and compete for a job. You know, Seattle just locked up Gino. I saw on my way home. Yeah. Um, that's next up on that. And uh, so to me, Winston, I, I'm I don't know where where he goes. We'll have to see how it shakes out because if he can't do anything until after June first, you know clearly we'll get the draft. We'll see what happens there. You know, does he do something like go to Arizona where he knows it may only be eight games, but he's going to get the shot to really to play with some good players and maybe have a a shot to to set himself up for next year. I don't know. I I think Jameis got a raw deal last year. Maybe. He hasn't. He's been okay at times, but it hasn't been
1: great in New Orleans. I kind of think he's going to be consigned to going somewhere um, to be a backup, um, which isn't a terrible deal considering the the rate that we go through quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I do like... The car signing, you know, the NFC South probably the advantage there is the division is wide open. If they can retain some of their defensive pieces, um, I liked Chris Olave. A lot to be determined with Alvin Kamara. Last I saw, the legal process likely to play out. They said sometime in July, which doesn't leave them a lot of margin. Supposedly, they're going to rework the deal and bring back Michael Thomas. You know, for the two quarters this uh, next season that he's available. Hopefully, he'll be able to make an impact. Um, but they have some pieces. I, I was just surprised a little bit because it seemed like the Saints don't are constantly have been in cap hell. Um, I'd like to know where they're getting this 150 million. But
2: Mickey Lomas is a wizard.
1: He's something. Uh, the second piece of news, as you alluded to, it sounds like the Seahawks uh, have got their man in, in Gino Smith. Uh, it sounds like they're looking at a three-year, $105 million deal. How does that strike you, Dennis, and what does that mean for the Seahawks?
2: Well, Gino and uh, Pete Carroll both said that they wanted him to stay in Seattle. So it felt like they were they wanted to get something done. Pete liked what Geno did last year. I know he faded down the stretch. Uh, We'll see. You know, a full, healthy year of Kenneth Walker. You know, they've got some weapons at tight end. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. uh, They they finally drafted a stud offensive lineman last year. Maybe they dip in and get another offensive lineman this year and kind of shore that up. I I think they – Pete wants to play a relatively safe type of football and Gino will play that, especially, you know, now he's what he's 34 years old, I think. So he he's signed a hundred million dollar contract to basically go and spend the rest of his career in Seattle and, and, you know, retire very comfortably, get some redemption, uh, for being on the bench for six or seven years, eight years, whatever it was. So I, I like the deal for both Geno and I like it for Seattle because it does give them some certainty.
1: Um, He's 32. He was born 32. in October of 1990, so he'll be 32 when the season
2: starts. So, you know, he'll be 35 at the end of the contract. If he wants to keep playing, he'll probably be able to to be if he doesn't, he can go and get on with the rest of his career uh, with a nice, handsome bank account.
1: Yeah, it's it's not bad. He seemed to be a good fit for what they're doing. I think the important thing for them was they found uh, Ken Walker. And Ken Walker looks like the real deal for them because they are a team that um, during Pete Carroll's time have been better when they've had a solid, reliable, uh, dominant running back to rely on. Um, you know, he seemed to do well with Metcalf and Lockett's got to be good news for them. He has Noah Fant there still. And Will Disley, you've got some weapons around them. Um, and Seattle was competitive, made the, made the playoffs. It's still going to be a very tough division, but I think it's a decent shot. It's to go from where we were last year where – Geno Smith was supposedly the backup to Drew Locke going into the season. To him signing a $105 million deal is a pretty big success story. I had said before I thought in Dynasty he'd be a reliable kind of QB2 guy for one to two years. I don't know if I'm all in on playing three full years, but we'll see uh, what what happens. Uh, We'll see you know, how the Seahawks play. it. I really think that means their top five draft pick that they have, they'll either be content to trade back or they're going to get some kind of probably a defensive player, knowing Pete Carroll, uh, or if they were smart, an offensive lineman, but knowing Pete Carroll, they'll get some kind of defensive play. Right. Uh, another piece of news, Calvin Ridley officially reinstated for the Jaguars after his year long suspension. We have not seen him in about a year and a half. Jags made that trade. Uh, looking forward to twenty twenty three. How do you feel now that he's officially reinstated?
2: I think it's a a good opportunity for him. Trevor Lawrence is a really good quarterback. Uh, Ridley is a a great route runner. You know, he's he's older, and he came into the league as an old prospect. He played pretty high level, but he did miss some games, which kind of Kept his overall wide receiver X number low. I think he only had like one top twenty-four. Then you add in Trevor Etn or Travis Etn franchise, and they basically have the band back together. And they upgraded, in my opinion, over an aging Marvin Jones. So I, I'm looking for the Jaguars in general to take a step forward. I, I think Ridley will be their leading receiver. I don't know if that means he's going to get enough volume to be a wide receiver one or a high-end wide receiver two, the way that Christian Kirk and Zay Jones performed last year. Uh, you know they're they're likely to cannibalize each other, but I could see I could see all three of them finishing between say twenty and thirty five.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see how the layoff impacts him. The good news is he gets like a full off season, all preseason, and everything to work uh, in. And you know he's had time with this franchise to learn a little bit about the Jaguars and to be part of that team. Um, but if we get anything close to what Ridley was when he went out he's I think he's going to be a number one for the Jaguars I'll be curious to see we're gonna next week at some point we start getting into our wide receiver rankings be curious to see where he lands for all of us in Dynasty probably one of the more interesting uh, names and if you held him the last two years and kind of rode everything out or acquired some shares you have to be pretty excited about this news Uh, Now we're going to turn to some franchise tag hot stove. Uh, The report is out that the uh, Giants plan to tag Daniel Jones if they can't get a deal done before the deadline. Supposedly Jones is asking for 48 million a year. It just keeps getting higher before it was 45. Now it's 48 and the Giants are supposedly willing to go as high as 40 million over four years. And Dennis the 40 million kind of leaked out there. I am kind of surprised that they were willing to make a 40 million four-year commitment. If I'm them and the jo- and Jones is there, you know, I think franchise tags probably the way to go, but what do you think about that? And what do you think it means for Barkley? You know, should they just turn all their attention toward Barkley now and see if they can get something done?
2: I I think they will, but the reports are that uh, the Giants and Barkley are pretty far apart as well. And I think the giants are making the decision that, well, if Jones won't sign what we think is a a fair agreement, then we will franchise tag him and we'll see what happens in the market (laughs) next year. Because to be fair, I don't know what he's proved in just one year. Now I think there's certainly some expectation that he's on the right path under Brian Dayball, uh, but I don't think he I, I if he was to get four I, I think forty million what was a stretch and I I, I think that it comes Especially down over to over
1: four years, that'd be a bigger contract than carr.
2: Yeah. And you know, granted he's what eight years younger than carr or something like that, six years younger than carr. So I don't know that you know it it's out of line, but I feel like if that hadn't leaked, I, I think they would have been pushing hard on, you know, let's go 38, let's go 38, five, you know, maybe we'll give you a little more guarantee uh, or something over, over what Derek Carr got. But to me, it makes sense for them to say, well, we're going to prioritize the quarterback over the running back because the quarterback is the premium position and it's the right business decision to make based on where they pick, what the free agent quarterback draft pool looks like. And to me, it's almost like Daniel Jones is, I I get betting on yourself, but he's kind of shooting himself in the foot. You know, he's going to make them franchise tag him, which is going to cause them to let Saquon Barkley walk. Now he's going to get a weaker running back. Um, Maybe he gets somebody that is good, but I mean, Saquon Barkley is pretty dang good. So I, it may backfire on Daniel Jones, and he ends up with just the one year, thirty-two point two, and then he goes next year and he's fighting for a job on the street somewhere.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, Jones' management team must see something because every time they talk about what he's looking for, it gets higher and higher. You know, another one to, to watch will be Lamar Jackson, who, you know, they said it's gonna come down to the deadline. I expect both those quarterbacks are gonna get franchise tagged. In terms of Barkley, yeah, it's it's probably discouraging. They're far apart. Um, you know, the Giants weren't sure about either of those guys going into the season. They had a pretty magical season and both of them worked really well with the new coach. Ironically, it seems like there's some traction that that a lot of people think, especially with uh, Jacobs getting tagged, which we'll talk about in a minute, that Barkley could be a candidate to go to Buffalo. It would be interesting to see him stay in the same state. But there was a lot of hope and optimism the Giants could bring both of them back, and it's starting to look more and more like they're only going to get one. Uh, We mentioned some franchise tags. Two running backs did officially get tagged. Uh, The first is Tony Pollard. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, The second is Josh Jacobs. And Dennis, I'm going to reiterate, the Raiders are a poorly run franchise. I literally cannot believe it's come to this. Uh, But how do you feel about this uh, situation?
2: Man, Josh Jacobs had a great season last year. Um, And you're right. The the Raiders botched it by not picking up his fifth-year option. But I I don't know that there was a – ton of evidence that suggested they should mostly because of the way he had been used going into last season. And, and, you know, it's, it's easy for us to sit here in hindsight and say, Oh, they definitely should have picked up the option, but based on the replaceability of the running back position And where he, how he had performed his first three years, which were good, but maybe not necessarily worthy of picking up the fifth year option. Um, It looks like they were complete and utter morons at this point. Now they're, you know, and they're just doubling down by franchise tagging him. But he knows the offense. They know that he's going to be able to uh, carry the ball, catch the ball. They've got a rock solid running back for next season. And they don't have to, you know, they can work on developing Zamir white more this year. You know, they can add another mid round back to the mix that maybe can step up next year. You know, their real problem is going to be a quarterback because right now it almost looks like the answer is going to be Jared Stidham. I know there's some talk about uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo going there, but, I think they're one of the teams. So, this
1: is Aaron Rodgers is a domino that you have to get an answer about sooner rather than later, I think, or else one of these teams, and it could end up being the Raiders, is going to pin their hopes on that and wait and get hammered. Because now, you know, with Carr going to the Saints, the Jets, the Raiders, the Buccaneers, all teams that potentially could compete with a quarterback that don't have one. And none of those teams are in great position to do that in the draft. So maybe you're right about Andy Dalton's (laughs) going to start somewhere.
2: I mean, we could see Dalton and Winston starting somewhere this season.
1: Winston, I do feel bad for him because the the post-June 1st one is kind of a tough blow because you're right, free agency will have been going for a long time. You'll also have gone through the draft, and you're basically going to end up in some kind of position. You know, the other place I forgot that's still trying to figure out a quarterback is the Colts. They may try to see if they can get up to draft one, but they potentially have a core that – could compete too so it's going to be interesting there's still a lot of teams i still find it hard to believe that washington is just ready to rock and roll with sam and no other plan b or plan 1a you
2: know my question is is that if the colts stay put at four and somebody leaps them and young and stroud are gone do the colts take levis or richardson
1: well, we'll get to, to Richardson in a minute. I think he's vaulting up. The one that I feel like is trying is going to have to put all their chips in on on jumping up in the draft is the Panthers, who finished surprisingly in, in good position um, in terms of almost making the playoffs, but in bad position for what seemed like we fired our coach mid season. We really need to, to rebuild in the draft. So they, and they haven't been able to attract a free agent and I'm sure Frank Reich wants something. Um, you know, there are other questions out there, you know, will Matt Ryan get traded again? Um, it's starting to look like Baker Mayfield actually may get into a a starting position, may not have to take a backup job. So there's going to, it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks because there's a lot of quarterback dominoes and we've seen the first couple of fall taking a couple of uh, places off the board, but there, that makes it even more interesting in my opinion. Um, The other back that got the franchise tag is Tony Pollard. Dallas committing to there, I think this almost certainly means they'll probably lose Dalton Schultz. But what do you think it also means for Ezekiel Elliott?
2: I think Zeke has already made it known that he's willing to restructure. And as far as Dalton Schultz goes, Jake Ferguson came in and and played really, really well. They like Peyton Hendershot a lot. I think they've Sean McKeon they've got as a blocking tight end. So there's plenty of depth in Dallas at the tight end position. Their real issue is wide receiver two. Because Gallup, after he returned from his injury, just didn't step up uh, like he needed to and take that role. So it looks like he's going to be set as the the wide receiver three. But they need a wide receiver two. And it's a, a fairly weak wide receiver class. In a weak wide receiver free agent class, so I'm not sure where they're going to get that wide receiver two that they need. That being said, you know, with Zeke's willingness to kind of restructure, I could see him staying around. Uh, I do think that it, you know, it kind of takes franchising. Uh, uh, Pollard does take, you know, drafting Bijan Robinson if he's available there off the board theoretically I mean but it is Jerry Jones and if B. John Robinson is there he might just draft him
1: oh Jerry play the good old wishbone well you we started talking a little bit about rookies so let's uh, let's move over and talk a little bit about the NFL combine first I ask you about a couple of people who uh, you know either impressed or uh, who Drew some attention first. I think we've got to start with Anthony Richardson. You talked about, you know, if the Colts are sitting there at four, do they go for him? Anthony Richardson put up some monster numbers in the measurables. Uh, What do you think that did for his
2: stock? I got to be honest. If you were not aware that Anthony Richardson was a phenomenal athlete the comment um even me who doesn't watch a ton of college football outside of the Buckeyes was aware that Anthony Richardson was a great uh great athlete I was listening to um Sirius XM NFL on my way home and Pat Kerwin they were talking about Anthony Richardson and he said look you know he he was is a former Scout been a front office guy in the NFL and he said, When we draft a college quarterback into the NFL, we expect him to have a 10% drop in completion percentage. And Anthony Richardson was a 54%, I think 54.7% completion, 53.8% completion percentage in his only season as a starter for the Florida Gators. You know, he had a 17 to 9 inter- touchdown to interception ratio. You know, is he a great athlete? Yes. Does he have a strong arm? Yes. Do you want to put somebody out there that's going to complete 49% of their passes? Uh, no. Now, somebody's going to buy in. Somebody's going to say, look, I can fix this guy. I'm going to make him an NFL quarterback. And, in the interviews I saw with Richardson, he seemed like a super nice guy, sounded like a super hard worker, but he just didn't get a ton of playing time until his senior season. He only commit only uh, attempted sixty six passes prior to last year, his sophomore season, red shirt sophomore season. I want him to be successful, but if you're drafting him in the top five picks. You're you're drafting him to a bad team. He needs to go into the NFL and sit a little bit. Now, can he go and and maybe do Justin Fields? He looks like how fields does. I don't know if that wins NFL games and NFL coaches. Unlike fantasy players, they draft players to win games as opposed to us. We we draft players to score fantasy points. So I want him to be successful. He's a super high ceiling roll of the dice. And since Josh Allen was successful, there are a lot of people out there that think they can duplicate what, what happened with Josh Allen. And I'm just not 100% sold. Richardson, like I, I had a top two and it was – Stroud and Young, Anderson, Levis, and Hooker. And and I think Hooker is probably the most fundamentally sound of all of them, has the best, most well-rounded game. But everybody shook on him because he's 25 years old. And that makes sense because not a lot of quarterbacks have come into the NFL at 25 years old and developed into, you know, Pro Bowl quarterbacks. But if I have to win games in 2023, I think I want Hooker over Richardson. And if he can win games in 23, then he can win games in 24 and probably 25. So I am I see why people would gamble on Anthony Richardson, but the 40-yard dash, the broad jump, and the vertical don't have – a lot of relevance on playing quarterback in the NFL. So he, he threw the ball. Okay. He didn't throw the ball as well as Stroud young, didn't throw it all, which was to me quite the business decision, not throwing the, the I ball. I believe
1: his pro day is like in a week and a half.
2: It, I get it. it. You know, the way CJ Stroud threw the ball and the power that will Levis and uh, uh, Richardson threw the ball, it, you know, to me, it, it it seemed like he was scared to stand up there at five foot 10 next to the, these big guys and, and throw the ball. But again, I, I have an Ohio State bias that I freely admit. Uh, I like Richardson. I'm going to be nervous drafting him.
1: And it's hard to tell too because we've seen the last few years you always have some guys that have these eye-popping like measurables at the combine and it gets everybody talking in March. But by the time you get to the end of April and you get to the draft, that doesn't always translate into going somewhere. But I have been kind of pondering, Richardson, since we heard our friend Matt talk about the potential upside. And I think given this quarterback landscape, depending on what happens the next couple of weeks and the teams that are out there looking, you know, I think if you don't get Stroud or young and you're feeling a little desperate, you might roll the dice. And there are a lot of young coaches or coaches that have a lot to prove that are going to be going into 2023. And I'm starting to think he's going to end up landing somewhere like that. You mentioned Bryce Young. He didn't throw, but he did get measured, and uh, as you mentioned, he came in uh, below six feet. Um, a lot was made about he's he's going to be a smaller quarterback. Do you think anything that happened this weekend substantially changes people's minds? Do you think he's still in contention for the number one overall pick?
2: Yeah, I I think he is now. He he's an an accurate thrower of the football, and he moves around in the pocket really well finds finds passing lanes Um, you know he weighed in 10 pounds more than he was listed so he he was obviously bulking up Um, I say obviously but you know maybe he really is 204 he was listed at 194 and um, and until he weighed in you know he's always he wore a lot of a loose fitting clothes uh, at the combine Uh, in every picture I saw him he had a had a Maybe a size too big hoodie on to, you know, cover up how, how skinny he is. But he looked, you know, he he look, he much like Richardson's athletic ability, if you couldn't look at Bryce Young and see that's, that's a little dude, then I don't know what to tell you because I'm not terribly surprised. I figured 5'11", 5'10", and an eighth was a little smaller than even I expected. Um, almost two full inches below what was listed. So, you know, he's going to rely on his instincts. He's going to rely on uh, his ability to make the throws. Will it it translate to the, the next level? We see for all of the things Kyler Murray has been able to accomplish, you know, when you get deep into his numbers, you know, for a little guy, Murray isn't quite the passer that the reputation he has sort of uh, puts out there, and I don't know if Young will be able to overcome that and, and and get to that elite level fantasy producer level in the NFL. I I like him a lot. I, I like Young. Like I'm, I have Stroud one. I, I think it's because. He's a better passer, um, not just because it's an Ohio State thing. Um, Young has, Young might have a little more escapability than Stroud. Stroud doesn't look to run at all. Uh, I think he he looked to. Ru- he took running opportunities literally in one game in his entire career, it seemed, and that was against Georgia. And that would seemed like it was like, hey, let me show you, I really can do it, I just don't, kind of approach. But no, I, I like Bryce Young. Uh, seven times out of ten, I'm probably going to go C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young, though.
3: Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And, as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple, bet on an NFL team to win, if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is T-P-P-N, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TP he and only a draft book sports book drafting sports book and official sports betting partner of the nfl minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see the descriptions for the episode for details
1: if it would let me unmute um, yeah i mean I, i'm kind of with you we already knew he was gonna be small he came in maybe a little bit uh, smaller than than people thought. I think he's he's still you know, we've basically talked about Stroud and Young being the the top two quarterback options. There's enough teams that have need. He's going somewhere in there. I still think the Texans really want um Bryce Young and that's why they're investigating whether they need to move up to number one or they can they can get him at number two. It's gonna be fascinating to see how it goes it feels much more certain this year than last than last year certainly that we're going to see a couple of quarterbacks go right at the top of the draft and probably at least 3 maybe 4 in somewhere in the first round just based on how people feel about these guys um it wasn't all about quarterbacks though uh one of the other big storylines is uh, KeSean Boutte who's a wide receiver that um, there have been some questions about, even prior to this, did not have a stunning combine in terms of measurables. I think his final official time in the 40 was 4.5, but I saw one unofficial time that he ran first was 4.76. Didn't have great measurables in the other categories. Do you think it hurt him, uh, this performance at the combine?
2: Yeah, he uh, yeah, he didn't do great. Um Last season to begin with and to end up kind of having just this very mediocre performance, only 5'11", 195, um, just an okay 10-yard split, um, a poor vertical jump. I mean, only 29-inch vertical and and a 9-foot, 10-inch broad jump. You, you, you need to kind of, you, you, now it's like, what's he hang his hat on? There were times where we could go, well, you know, his numbers were down because LSU had shitty quarterbacks. Well, then you look now at his athletic ability and say, okay, well, yes, LSU had shitty quarterbacks, but was he also not getting open? Is he also, you know, not as good at the contested catch or jump ball uh, as he was perceived uh, he had a, around a five, maybe under five, relative athletic score. Shout out to uh, Math Bomb on Twitter. Um, he, uh, I, I think he, he's going to drop. He's The one thing I think he has going for him is that he was close to 200 pounds, and he, there's a group of wide receivers after the top three that all weigh about 175 pounds. They're all... 5'8 to 5'10 and 175 pounds. That's Tank Dell and Marvin Mims and Zay Flowers and Josh Downs. These guys are all small. And what Bute has is a little bit more size to him. But it wouldn't surprise me to see guys like A.T. Perry get drafted ahead of Bute. Perry checked in. Uh, he, he was another guy that was two inches shorter than measured. But he was 6'3 and 215 pounds. And he performed pretty well ran in the four fours, four fives, Um, good, good athletics. So there are going to be some people I think that get drafted over Boutte because I think maybe he's presenting, he he looked unprepared for the the combine. And I think that goes to how well, what's his work ethic like? If he doesn't, you have to, I, I get it. These are some of the most talented players in the world, uh, most the best athletes. But when you get up there in that rarefied air, even, even the 53rd man on the roster is one of the best athletes in the world. And, and if you don't take it seriously coming out of college, I, I don't know what to tell you. And it seems kind of like Boutte didn't take this whole process quite as serious as uh, he should have.
1: Yeah, and that's a tough part. When you're kind of trending down um, as you're approaching the draft, the combine can be a time to sort of right the ship, get some excitement, or you can continue that trend. And it really feels like he sort of continued that trend. And I think back to just last year when, you know, I think we talked about Isaiah Spiller didn't have a great combine, and then you end up seeing that sort of carryover questions ends up going, Later than we thought he might have, and then has kind of a lost rookie year. So, I it's definitely time to start getting a little bit nervous. Dennis, uh, we talked about a few specific players, but who is one player or a couple of players that you think helped themselves the most during the weekend at the combine?
2: You know, there were a lot of athletic tight ends at the combine this year. You know, I, I heard one comment. Uh, last week, that uh, attributed to Daniel Jeremiah, that uh, he thought there may be nine tight ends drafted in the first three rounds. And then just kind of looking at it here, adding it up, there were 11 tight ends that ran a 4 7 or faster. Uh, Darnell Washington was every bit as impressive as um, he seemed to be in college got down on the sled at six foot seven inches tall. He got down on the sled uh, and pushed it with ease. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State and Sam Laporta out of Iowa State, or excuse me Iowa. two very, very fast tight ends uh, four six, four five nine. They seem like they're they're gonna be guys that go in the first couple rounds. Uh, so the tight ends really hit. You know, I think Stetson Bennett cemented his spot as Qb6. You know, he threw really, really well. I think there were some people that were surprised at how strong his arm was. Um, but he's a, he's a small guy, 5'11", 195, I think he was, or 205. Um, and he's an older prospect. He's 24, 25 years old as well. So I think, you know, he reminds me a little bit, uh, you know, uh, drunken public uh, issue aside of Russell Wilson coming into the NFL. You know, Wilson was a graduate transfer that went to to Wisconsin after NC State and Stetson Bennett just kind of came up as a walk on and took over. Both of the guys seem to have. Some good maturity and Bennett is the kind of guy I think that goes somewhere um, and, and ends up winning the job in camp because he just makes the plays you know maybe not but he he makes the plays he's supposed to and he converts enough that you don't expect that you go oh well maybe we should give this guy a real shot so i kind of liked Stetson Bennett uh, after a, a really really poor senior bowl week chase brown came in to the combine and performed really well in the drills and in the athletic testing uh, in the senior bowl week chase brown looked like he didn't belong so now we have a whole year of tape on chase brown that looks great, then a, a pretty poor senior bowl week of practices, and then we're back at drills at the combine, and he looks great again. So I think as people take his last 12 months kind of all into account, I think Chase Brown started to climb back, back up. Uh, he looked overwhelmed at the senior bowl, and Dan to in your bowl And, and the guy came in and just, just trucked him. And to add insult to injury, the truck team was his tw- twin brother, Sydney, down at the Senior Bowl. And to have come up to uh, Indianapolis and kind of make up the ground that he needed, I think Chase Brown kind of moved himself back into being a, a day two pick. And then a sleeper that I really like that built on his senior bowl week uh, is Evan Hall out of um, Northwestern, 5'11", 209, 207, somewhere in that range. Super, super good in the passing game, runs the ball pretty well. Kind of reminds me of like a Rex Burkhead type, where if he ends up getting a shot, he could come in and be a weapon in the passing game that you can also run in the two-minute drill to keep teams honest. Uh, he's a guy I'm looking at late, late in uh, my rookie drafts. Uh, if he's sitting around in the back half of the fourth round, I'm probably going to have a whole lot of Evan Hull on my rosters. Guys that I think hurt themselves a little bit, I, I don't think Michael Mayer did himself any favors. I don't know if hurt is the right word. But he just looked okay. He didn't. He wasn't extremely athletic. Uh, he didn't run really, really good. He, you know, I would have expected something a little better than a four-seven out of him. You know, he measured well, 6'4", f- 4 and uh, uh, I think a half, um, two hundred and fifty-five pounds, two hundred fifty-nine, two sixty-four, I think was what he was listed. So he measured okay, but he just, to me, he just didn't stand out. It feels like from a from a fantasy perspective, I'm going to be looking at guys later like Luke Musgrave and Will Mallory and Sam Laporta. Um, I think there's somebody else that I'm missing, but. Oh, a Dalton Kincaid. Those are the guys I'll be looking at for fantasy over Meyer. Meyer feels like a guy that's maybe going to get more snaps than some of these other guys, but he's not going to get more targets. And so I'm a little bit concerned about where he's at. Uh, Jordan Addison, I'm conflicted. You know, I, I was, I was toying with maybe moving him up over Jackson Smith and Jigba, um as my wide receiver one, but he tested really, really poorly. Now the film does not bear out. How Addison tested—he barely broke four five, had a five point eight two relative athletic score, uh, only five eleven and one hundred and seventy one pounds. Um, but when you watch the tape, Addison looks good. So I, I feel you know that there's another guy I'm going to mention here, um, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee who won the Bolitnikoff Award. You know he's six foot, hundred and seventy four pounder. Uh, lots of talk about running in the four threes. Just he nailed a 4 uh, 4, had a really good Raz. But when you look at what the talk about him leading up to the combine was, it, it doesn't seem like he lived up to it. And the offense he played in, he was never on the line of scrimmage, coming out of a lot of stacked formations. And at 174 pounds, is he going to be able to beat press coverage? And his speed not being exactly what we thought, if he gets bumped around, will that throw off the timing? Is he going to beat it? Uh, I think I, I'm probably going to, I'm starting to lean a little more towards if I'm going to take a, a Tennessee wide receiver, I'm looking at Cedric Tillman in the middle of the third versus Jalen Hyatt in the beginning of the second, just because I think it might be a little more value and and uh, Tillman is a bigger stronger wide receiver, doesn't have the speed that Hyatt has. But as we've seen with guys like Keenan Allen, it doesn't always, it's not always speed that really matters. It's getting open. There was a lot of talk about how Jackson Smith and Jigba, oh, he's, he's healthy, but he's not going to run his 40, run the 40 because he hasn't had enough time to practice, but he destroyed everybody in the three cone and the, the, the three cone drill and the the 20 yard short shuttle. He just blew people away. There was nobody even close to the numbers he put up. I expect uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba to be open a lot short, and then teams to overcompensate, and then him to be open a lot deep, to because he's got enough speed.
1: Do you uh, have any thoughts about the the running back group?
2: Um, I I think. In general, they perform – B. John Robinson is who we thought he was. Yeah. Um, Jameer Gibbs weighed and measured almost exactly what he was listed. He's still my RB2. I am not concerned. Um, I actually, in my very first underdog draft of the year, um, had a couple of running backs I was looking at in the fourth round. Both of them got sniped from me. I took Jameer Gibbs as my RB1 in my first underdog draft. It, it probably isn't going to work out. I acknowledge that. Um, but I didn't like any of the other running Warrior back. genius. You're I, I, I didn't like – and it may have even been the fifth round because I think I started off, I went Cup, um, another wide receiver in the second, uh, Kyle Pitts, and then Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow and Kyle Pitts. And then I went Jameer Gibbs. I forget who the other wide receiver was now. Um, but I think the running back class is going to live up to its billing. There's big backs like Zach Charbonnet who who are, have versatility. There's a, a group of backs that are in that 59510 two Oh five, 9, 5 10, 205 to two Oh nine range, Eric Gray, Chase Brown that I think are going to come in. They're not going to be bell cows, but they're going to be the, they're going to be the, not committee backs, but uh, duo backs. I I think of a committee as more than two backs. They're going to be the 1A, 1B kind of back. They'll be paired up with a guy like, you know, Hassan Haskins in Tennessee or, um, you know, Derrick Henry, uh, when he apparently gets traded because that's supposed to happen, or or James Conner in Arizona. Uh, They're going to be guys that get paired up with these bigger backs that are able to be productive because they have, the ability to catch passes, run routes, and run the ball, um, just maybe not carry the ball 18 to 20 times. So I I like the running back class a lot. Uh, Between free agency and the draft, running back class is very heavy compared to all the other positions.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Well, another combine is in the books. And uh, so we will be back on Friday. Speaking of running backs, we are going to look at our top 24 dynasty running backs uh, before we start merging in the rookies. That should be pretty interesting. Um, Matt may or may not be with us, but at least Dennis and I will be here with our top 24 guys. Um, So that'll be something to look forward to. And then we're getting ever closer to when we're going to go back to do a few mock drafts. We're going to do some rookie drafts. We're going to do some startup drafts. Plenty of rankings as we make our way down here. And next week, of course, we're going to have the free agent frenzy beginning. I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about starting Monday when the legal tampering period begins. And then next Friday, once uh, we have more deals in the books. So it's getting to be a pretty exciting time. But uh, if people are sitting there home alone tonight, just watching some old game tape, trying to recover from the combine, what can they do, Dennis?
2: Well, what they can do is they can like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, And then they can take the link and message it to two friends and have them like, and subscribe to the podcast. You know, we changed platforms a while back, lost a lot of subscribers. We need to build the, build the subscriber base back up. Uh, Give us a rating and a review. We love that. You know, we're, we're going to have to maybe start pulling some and maybe give away some swag or something. I I hate to bribe people, but you know, uh, I guess I'll do what I got to do.
1: You're a company man. You're going to, you're gonna
2: do it for the Da-na-na. Da-na-na. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's gonna do it for us today. But we'll be back on Friday, looking at running backs, as I mentioned, and uh, see how many more people can get the good old franchise tag. Until then, have a great night. Prepare
0: for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your on red? I tell you about ready? I came out the ready. He's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honest. No one up above his head. They can't jump with me. Godly. Oh, they tackle like the 40 Who can make a play? I can Who can make
3: a play? I can't. <laughs>